Welcome to Fighting Learning. My name is Gary Thomas, and today I'm really happy to be joined by Dr. Chelsea Jewett, um, who I'll just let introduce herself to you briefly. Um, so, hi, I'm Chelsea. Um, I'm an ACCS trainee in emergency medicine, hoping to dual credit in ITU at some point. Um, and I suppose I'm the founder of the Sexism in Medicine project, which I've done with the BMA. Okay, and um, that is the whole purpose as to why I'm talking to you to, to, uh, today, Chelsea, is about, is about sexism um, in medicine. Would you mind just talking a little bit about the actual project and how you became involved in it? Uh, yeah, so the project, um, well, I say that it's always a bit of like a happy accident. It's kind of, it's kind of come out of my own experience and, and snowballed into the kind of the, the project that it is and the report that it is now. So it started way back pre, pre-COVID um, in 20, 2019. Um, at the time, I was uh, working as a fellow in a, in a, in a busy hospital busy DGH hospital um, and I had ex- an experience um, which made me feel very belittled, embarrassed, um, like I didn't, didn't matter as a member of the team and the language that was kind of directed towards me was very gendered. Um, a consultant uh, called me emotional and to stop being silly um, in front of a big MDT room full of lots of people and, it, and it's from that um, that moment and that that experience that this has all kind of come from so I tried to highlight the issue in my workplace I tried to talk to my supervisor she was a a female consultant and she was very supportive understood how I felt but didn't really know what to do in terms of what the process was for something that was you know it was a microaggression it wasn't for want of a better word, it wasn't an obvious um, episode of sexism, but it, it, I did feel as though it was sexist. Um, and it's, it was just very difficult for her to kind of navigate that because this was her colleague. There wasn't any kind of mechanism in place for her to raise how I was feeling with him. So I sort of tried to leave it at that point because, I, you know, it's not the first time it's happened. It probably won't be the last time that something like that has happened, unfortunately. But I couldn't. It was the straw that broke the camel's back. It was at that point that I was like, no, I, I, I can't leave this. I can't let this lie. And I started speaking to my friends, um, both doctors and non-doctors, um, my colleagues, both male and female. And, you know, I did realise that it wasn't just me that this was happening to. It wasn't just the hospital that I was working in. It wasn't just the area of the country that I was working in. But I had no, there was no black and white evidence that I could see anywhere. And, you know, being the good millennial that I was, I did do a Google search. And it was from that that I found uh, Laura Bates's book, Everyday Sexism, and started reading that. And that talks a lot about everything shock horror, everyday sexism, so things like microaggressions and, and how women are disadvantaged in the workplace, out of the workplace, at home, etc. It's from that that I started wanting to collate some evidence. And I, and I just did a, you know, a cheap online 10-question survey, um, disseminated it through things like Twitter and through friends, um, got about 100 responses at that point, and managed to get it presented at the joint BMA and Medical Women's uh, Federation conference back in 2019 
and from that point it's just snowballed and gained a lot of momentum so it's been a long time coming it's been you know a few years covid slowed things down but i you know i'd also argue that covid's probably highlighted quite a lot of the issues that that face female versus male doctors in, in the workplace um so now we've got a report out which shows the results of a survey which has had about two, two and a half that two and a half thousand respondents male and female uh, looking into sexism in medicine and, and the experiences that, that both women and, and male doctors are are seeing within within the workplace and it's um it's quite hard reading at times what do you think the headlines from from the findings of the survey were um, well, the headlines that um, The Guardian went with was that nine out of ten female doctors have experienced sexism at work. Um, and, you know, that, that is a statistic taken straight from, from this report. And that's, you know, it, it was a headline for a reason. It, it's quite shocking. Um, and when I've been speaking to non, non-medical um friends and, and people who've reached out after this after this report they're absolutely they're, they're unbelievably like surprised shocked you know the funny thing is I I just wasn't shocked by it at all at all because this is this is the reality of so many female doctors and it it isn't you know it isn't as again for want of a better word obvious as sexual assault or um you know those things that people you know know are wrong that is the line we don't cross that line it's the it's those subtle underhanded thoughts behaviors words that have a massive impact on the morale of female clinicians it also then impacts on team building teamwork and you know the morale of the NHS and, and its workers is a thing that's been keeping it going and anything that impacts upon that on top of everything else that impacts upon that is is awful but as terrible as it is it, it wasn't that surprising to me because you know this is what happens to me it's what happens to my friends. You said that your friends who are non-medical were surprised by by the extent of that and did they yeah. do you think did they think from the outside of of medicine that it was all going to be just fair and equal because we're learned individuals? I think I think that probably is what they thought, but I don't know for certain. The impression is that doctors, nurses, etc., are caring people. And we are, I think, you know, I think most of us are. I think most people that have um, been victims of these behaviours and etc or have have perpetrated these behaviours don't think that you know they don't think that they're bad people they aren't bad people they're just doing these things without realising and that's sort of what's dangerous is that they don't realise what's wrong and you know people talk about unconscious bias and you know that does have an effect in that but equally we are educated people and we should be educating ourselves to all of these things I think the other thing that's been really interesting, and it's something that I've picked up following. So after this report's come out, I've had people reach out from, I've had women reach out from the, who work for the fire service, who work for the police, 
you know, they're still public services, but they are, you know, they're much more male dominated, which actually medicine isn't now. It's becoming more equal and actually more female medical students are coming through. Things are changing, but the fact that we're, you know, nearly 50-50 or so and things are still quite bad I think that's interesting I think that's bringing quite a lot of its own challenges as well because representation is fantastic um not only in terms of gender in terms of all protected characteristics but is that that you know that doesn't seem to be the only answer because we're getting more and more female representation but you know so many people don't think I'm don't think I'm Dr Jewett you know I'm miss or missus i've literally just answered yeah. the phone to a delivery guy and he called me mrs uh mrs jewett <laughs> yeah yeah which is something which i've 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 never had had that everyone always assumes because i'm the man that i must be i must i must be the doctor and if especially if i follow a female a female trainee or, or doctor in then often you find that they'll tell me what that they just told the nurse that and you know for, for me particularly as a you know as a as a white middle class man in Britain, the, these are issues that I, I don't, I don't, I don't experience because my, my, my gender, my skin color puts me in an incredibly privileged position compared to um, a lot of a lot of other people. Mm. And <laughs> I suppose if if what you're saying is that there's there's an awful lot of subconscious sexism and the microaggressions that are that are that are happening what do you think the biggest or the most the most common form that, that people encounter is i think i think it's mainly the attitude that women are less than in terms of that it's presumed that we're less capable um, that our ideas are less good, we're more likely to be spoken over in meetings, we're more likely to be told to do, you know, less acute specialties because we, you know, we can't cope with the with the stress of it. And that and that's me quoting, <laughs> quoting from one of the um one of the respondents. Um it's just it's still presumed that medicine is a male uh dominated career in that. To be a good doctor, you have to show quite traditionally masculine um, characteristics, which I absolutely do not do not think is true at all. Um, I'm not saying that women are better doctors. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that different characteristics and different people and more diversity and more, you know, the the diversity of doctors we've got is only going to serve the population the very diverse population of the UK better um I just think we need to become more accommodating for other kind of personality traits yeah yeah because it's not going back to what you say about sort of acuteness of the specialty problem the <clears throat> you don't have to try very hard to look through say twitter to find to find a statement from from a woman who has been told for a reason the fact that they are a woman means that they are less likely to succeed or that they shouldn't even try um, in the first place, particularly with an awful lot of negativity put towards 
women taking maternity leave as well as though so on some level that 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 is a bad that is a bad thing which for me flies in the face of all of the push that publicly at any rate has happened towards well-being and having a work-life balance you know you either you either want people to be all in all of the time or you don't and unfortunately it always seems that it's women in particular who fall who fall foul of as I say these these aren't even unconscious biases when they're when they're put out when they're put out like this is this is the way that people think isn't it I in in a survey it does seem to be that women are particularly put off or um actively discouraged into going into um, anaesthetics into emergency medicine into intensive care medicine into surgery into acute medicine so all these you know specialties that traditionally were you know long hours away from home and they're getting pushed into GP my first day as a as an F1 on well trauma and orthopedics was I was I asked, oh, can I go to theatre? I'm quite interested. I didn't really know what I wanted to be at the time. I did think maybe GP, but, you know, it wasn't, I wasn't certain. And the surgeon just turned around to me and said, well, there's no point in you coming to theatre because you're a woman and all you're going to want to do is be a GP and have loads of kids. We're now seven years down the line. I've not gone into GP. I've not had a load of kids. So so he was completely wrong. Um, But, you know, seven years ago isn't even that long. Mm. And I wasn't as opinionated and outspoken as I was. Um, as I am now back as an F1 so I just didn't know what to do but that could could completely someone who absolutely loved surgery that completely put them off and and then you get into this cycle you know this this cycle of like less and less women going in and then it's harder and harder for women to get into I think things are changing slowly but things need to be made more flexible and the attitudes towards maternity I just, I har- some of the that's the worst thing I've seen out of the uh, respondents. So we did some free text responses about experiences regarding sexism, and like I, I'm not a mother, I've, I've not had any maternity leave, so so I, I I can imagine, but I don't know what it's like. And some of the experiences that that respondents are saying, both male and female respondents. So there's there's male respondents saying that they want more time off to be with their kids, but discouraged from having, you know, discouraged from going less than full time because that's not a manly thing to do. Again, quoting. But then there's been one respondent who's um, come back from maternity, found out that she's pregnant again, and been told that if she was to have any more children, that she'd be kicked in the uterus so as to abort her baby. That's happened. That's happened. And that is vile and so shocking. And it's not even worse out of what's in that report. It's just vile, the, some of the experiences that people are, are having. And it's wrong. It is, you know, it's 2022 now. Mm. And, you know, we need to encourage flexibility at work not only because of maternity and, and childcare and stuff but the fact that like everyone the, the intensity that we all face at work regardless of specialty now is very different to what it was yeah even yeah. you know even pre-pandemic um I think being more flexible with um working hours and job plans and stuff like yeah. that is gonna it's gonna retain staff more we're gonna not probably not going to solve our, our staffing crisis, but hopefully make it a little bit better. 
I do believe that you should enjoy work. You spend, you, you know, you do spend most of your life in work. Um, so you should enjoy it, but you shouldn't have to sacrifice your family life, your home life for it. You know, most less than full-time trainees are women. I, I would love to see more less than full-time uh, men working and whether that is for childcare or just for work-life balance, what, you know, it would be great because I think as soon as, and again, you know, it's, it's not that easy, but as soon as more men are doing less than full-time hours, it will become more acceptable hmm. as a whole. And I think the, I do, I do think that a lot of, a lot of the time, the trouble is that if you, if you say you want to go less than full-time because of kids in particular, I think if if you're a man, the question because I I talked about it in the past, and when when I talked about it, the question wasn't wasn't one of why do you want to, it was can't your wife do it? You know, which you just think, well, that's that's wrong. You know, it's about it's this it would be about balance as a whole, not just it's not just about looking after looking after the, the kids. One of the problems that that strikes me is sort of coming away from the from from the sort of the family life bit. One of the the problems that strikes me is, and I guess it comes back to some of the subconscious thing, is the language that is used when talking about women in the work in the workplace in particular. So, you know, we can use emergency medicine as a as a good example because we both we both worked there. You know, you you could have two ED registrars, both a man and and a woman, and they could both work in exactly the same way. They could both be fairly fairly hot individuals. The man will often be seen as this intimidating um, forthright, forthright figure. However, the woman will, will often have negative words that's, that's used towards, towards, towards them. But that, that, is, that is what I've, what I've heard is that, you know, that, that's the way that the women get, get spoken about. You know, the, the man seems to garner respect from acting in that way. However, for the woman, it is, it, is, it is a negative thing for them to do. Did anything like that come out from the work that you've done? Yeah, um, I think emergency medicine is a really good example for it. It's leading those acute, you know, standby into research situations. And it's something I'm, I'm really interested in. And that experience of being, a, you know, a, a female leader of, of, of those kind of situations. And there's a lot of, there's a, an additional kind of like psychological burden that a lot of female respondents have written about saying how you know they're very you know they're direct they're assertive as you would see you know they're they're they're, they're showing those kind mm. of um, characteristics that you know a traditional male leadership assertive authoritative and that's how you need to be in those really you know type one thinking quick situations i need to make quick snappy decisions it's you have to be direct. And as you say, some women are, people aren't responding to them. They're not, you know, they're not doing what they're told. And, you know, they have to in that situation or else the patient, you know, is disadvantaged. Mm. But if they are then, you know, the, the team is working and the, the call runs, for example, women are then finding that afterwards people are funny with them afterwards and they're mm. then having to take the time to go and apologize yeah. for doing their job properly and no one's going to go oh, oh please can you just start chest compressions when someone's arrested it's 
the fact that being a woman and being a man, the way that that interaction is different purely based on your gender mm. is stupid. It's, it's just stupid. Yeah. <laughs> it happens all the time. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether that will come with more representation. I don't know whether it will come with more education, but these kind of thoughts and behaviours just need to stop. When these situations happen, that someone was challenged, they would, they would sort of reverse justify it. Yeah, they might do. And again, I, could, you know, I can see both sides of it, but it's very difficult as a female doctor to strike that balance. And it's very tiresome. Yeah. This is every interaction that you're, you know, this is a lot of interactions that you're dealing with every single day. But working in the NHS, when we are a team that is an organisation, we should be able to have an impact on how we interact with one another in a positive way. And this is why I think this survey is really important and this report's really important. Because a lot of the stuff that's touched on in it isn't specific to medicine, it isn't specific to work. It's just an environment in which we've got some element of control over. Mm. And I'm hoping that one way or another, we do start seeing some change. I've been doing some more work following this with the BMA in collaboration with some some of the Royal Colleges um, and... um, the GMC and the, and the NMC, et cetera, about what we can do going forwards. And we're still in talks about that and, you know, still planning away and, and trying to have some answers. But, you know, if anyone listening is an absolute genius, that'd be great. <laughs> if you could just tell me the answer. <laughs> I'll give you all the credit. I'm interested to know, in the response to the survey, we've talked a lot about, a lot about doctor-to-doctor sexism. Do people, do people comment on on their experiences with other healthcare professionals? They do. Um, So one of the questions asks about um, whether people think they are treated differently um, by other healthcare professionals based on their gender. Um, There is some difference in that. Um, We haven't really delved into that one as much as we necessarily could I guess um the difficulty being well, first of all it's a very long it was a very long survey to start off. Mm. <laughs> but you've got very you know the interactions that you have with different healthcare professionals are very uh, dependent on what your specialty is what hospital you're in so there's a lot of other variables that kind of interact with it but it's similar in terms of um not being thought of as the doctor not mm. being thought of as um the the leader their opinions being talked over um so very very similar kind of uh, kind of themes running through female doctors seem to feel as though they've got to go out of their way to make people like them mm-hmm. and it you know and it's nice to feel like a, a member of a team but it's this you know this almost need to to make the, not make them, but to get them to, that's the same word, just to, <laughs> to hope and pray that people will like you and, and mm. people will then, you know, that makes your life a bit easier. And 
I can't speak for, for everyone. Some people won't feel like that, but the evidence that I've got from my survey is that a lot of female doctors feel like that. Yeah. And a lot of male respondents are aware of that, that dichotomy, that difference. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the trouble is that there's nothing, you know, there's nothing that there's nothing that I am able to do that makes that that makes that any better. And I suppose that one of the problems that strikes me from what you said here, you're trying so hard to be to be liked when surely what what you're actually wanting is just is just to be respected. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I think I think likability is so intrinsically mm. within the like female psyche of like mm. this, you know, how we're socially brought up and, and you know from a young age you know little boys can be boisterous and adventurous and they can cause mayhem and it's like oh boys will be boys but little girls should be heard and not no seen and not heard get the right way around and you know little girls should be pretty rather than opinionated <laughs> it's it's that kind of thing we can't fix that straight away um uh, my, my middle child is definitely trying to buck that trend <laughs> she's very definitely heard whether she's seen or not she is heard yeah, I've always been quite gobby, so. <laughs> but but even, even, even that's the problem, is that you, you, you're calling yourself gobby, but, but the truth is you, you have strong opinions and you're not afraid to, to, to express them and there'll be an awful lot of people who maybe um, who would be sitting there thinking, do you know what, I really wish that, that, I, that I could do that. And it's so easy to do, mm. um, but that's an example of the fact that I'm here preaching about all this stuff but I'm not perfect no one's perfect mm -hmm. I don't think anyone is expecting anyone to be perfect I'm just hopeful that people will try to be better do you think do you think that part of the problem is that if if what if what would be really helpful is that if if somebody did display sexism or any kind of bias against a characteristic of a person that they were they were they were told in a non-confrontational way of what you just did or said or said there made me feel uncomfortable because of this. Do you think the problem is that so often people see that as as an attack on their character, um, or not even not even the attack on their character that that is potentially going to end up being some big a, a big complaint? But actually, what you're just saying is, can you modify your behaviour because I don't think that's I don't think that's acceptable. A big issue I think there is. Um... And this probably is a lot to do with medicine is the hierarchy of medicine makes speaking up very difficult. There are the power dynamics as well that need to be taken into consideration. I was very, you know, the, the event that's kind of snowballed this all off. I didn't feel like I could turn around to that male consultant and say, hold on a second, because he was a male consultant in a specialty that, you know, I work in. And I don't want to leave the region that I currently work in. And it, it's, it's, you know, that's really hard. Mm. His female consultant, who is the same, you know, grade as him, she didn't feel like she could speak, speak up about it because that would change the dynamic of their working relationship. Mm. It's, really, it's really difficult. And then also you've got the, you know, say one of my colleagues stood up and said something on my behalf. Is that a good thing? Mm. I don't know I don't know if it is it might be for some people it might not be for others it's it's so difficult and it's so nuanced and it depends on every situation and I think in for you know trying to get some form of system speaking up in place that's standardized throughout the country would be great but the practicalities of doing that again would be very difficult 
I think one of the resistances to to almost enabling people to to speak up is that actually a lot of the the speaking up that would then happen really holds a mirror up to people and and that can be really very uncomfortable for people. I think so. But I think people need to start getting comfortable with feeling uncomfortable. Mm. If you are never challenged and never pushed beyond your you know, your comfort zone or your your realm of, you know, expertise or, you know, that kind of bubble of your world. If you're not pushed or anything's, you know, critiqued or challenged, how boring is that? Mm. How boring is that? And how just, I, I don't know why anyone wouldn't want to improve mm. <laughs> or or just expand that knowledge or expand that awareness or I just don't get that and I understand people like their comfort zones I get that but that's quite quite narrow-minded I think in now nowadays yeah so I, I certainly I, I want to be told about about ways that I can improve the way that I interact with anybody it doesn't matter about who who or why I just I, I would prefer to know but but I suspect that nobody would ever really be that comfortable with, with, with coming to tell me. And though I think I'm a fairly approachable um, person, the thing that the thing we perhaps should 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 finish off with then, if people could take maybe just one or two things from the experiences that you that you've had and and unfortunately will continue to to have, and the work that you've done and the people that you've spoken to and the work that you've got that you've got. That you've got coming if, if people could take maybe just one thing appreciating that there is so much more that could be taken from it but one thing to leave that leave them with for the, for somebody listening to this to take forward irrespective of who they are what would it be just that they should just that people should treat men and women the same <laughs> and they don't and they should be aware that they don't and they should try to and try to get better it all boils down to the fact that people should be treated the same and that's all i'm asking